Hey fellas, real quick, let's go to our let's go to our list. Let's see how we did. Ooh, let's go. All right. All right. So they're talking. We'll have it whenever uh, we're allowed. We don't pay for press conferences. You will hear everything that you need to know. And the news is anyway that Fluce is back. Offensive staff led by Luke Getze is out. We'll get Pat Manley's reaction to that in 30 minutes. Mark Grody is there. He'll join us with a full report from Hallis Hall at 5 o'clock. And no matter what sort of spin zone that they give us, and again, we'll give to you uh, when, when we have it and when we can, um, what matters here is they're going forward with Matt Eberflus, but the offensive side of the ball, whether it's Fields or Caleb, and we both think it will be Caleb and not Fields. Well, you're not you're not there necessarily that it's going to be Caleb, but you think it will not be Fields. Oh, no, I, I, we're both, I just don't want to speak for you. I understand. We're both there where we want it to be a first-round number one overall draft pick. I'm ready for that. Yes. And I think we are both there that we think it will be because of the sensibility of it. But man, I, I I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure, but and, I think and, that's what it's going okay. to be. Okay, and I listen, and I do trust polls. Like I, I trust polls's football evaluation overall. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, and I want to reiterate, as as frustrated as I am at the seeming lack of ambition and creativity and boldness by this move, I still think the Bears are heading in the right direction. And because of the number one pick, yeah. it's a damn exciting time to be a Bears fan because if he's as good as people say he is. You can overcome a lot. So do you want to do your preferred name, my preferred name, and then go through other possible names? Or do you want to throw all of your names at me and I'll tell you which ones I like and don't like? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, and, 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 and we'll see if I, you get to a name that I that I would put at the top of my list right now. Okay, cool. All right. um, so these are some of the possibilities. Some of them have been out there for a couple of days. Some of them, like some Bears beat guys, have just started to put together lists. These are viable possibilities for Bears offensive coordinator. Okay. Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel, which sounds a lot like Rebel Rebel by David Bowie. I never wrote the song, but anyway, came to our attention with Favre in Green Bay, former offensive coordinator for Russell Wilson in his glory days in Seattle. Uh, Worked with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, was the interim head coach after Urban Meyer got launched. Right now, the passing game coordinator for your guy, Mike McDaniel in the Dolphins, has been there for both years as the passing game coordinator for Mike McDaniel. Daryl Bevel is opportunity number one. The list of quarterbacks he's worked with is tough to beat, right? Johns writes it out. Uh, Favre, Brad Johnson, Russell Williams, Matt Stafford, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence and Tua. That's pretty impressive in terms of gunslinger, pocket passer, strong arm, small, tall, big arm. Multiple systems so yeah. could do whatever they think is the right fit for whoever they get. That is a it is a undeniably impressive list of quarterbacks that he's that he's worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the problem with hiring Daryl Bevel to work with Matt Eberflus? Well, he's not a play caller right now. When was he a play caller? When he worked for Pete Carroll, he was the only. So, so he was. The, so he was the play. So he was the play caller in Seattle in twenty like fifteen. Right, that was their best offensive year. Mm. So you know, he, so sure. I mean, so not a play caller right now. 
uh, would be tempted to become and be a play caller. Would be would be tempted to get back to being a play caller. Mm-hmm. Maybe would see Caleb as a shot at being a a head coach. He's in his what mid fifties, fifty four, fifty five years old. Um, there's not too many negatives to that. I think that there's a a chance that his head coaching dreams have passed him by. I don't think he's going to be your aspirational head coach guy who's going to leave in a year or even get courted in a year. Right. That. So yeah, I think that that. That checks a lot of boxes in the best okay. of the situation that they've put themselves into. I still will be a little petulant and not like the situation they've put themselves into. But been a play caller, not mm-hmm. likely to be a head coach, worked with a bunch of different quarterbacks. You definitely could give me worse names. Okay. Um, right. How about Greg Roman? Goes all the way back to Stanford with Jim Harbaugh. Obviously, San Francisco with Harbaugh and Colin Kaepernick. Four years with Lamar Jackson, which uh, was beautiful up until it wasn't. And Lamar has bloomed here in his first year with Todd Munkin and not Greg Roman. Greg Roman out of work right now. No head coaching dreams. I have no interest. I think he's very overrated. I think he's a running guy. He's a running game guy. Like he's never had a top twelve passing offense in his entire career. Yeah, he, San, San Fran was a running game guy. Was a running game thing and, with Harbaugh, and, and, and Baltimore was too. Uh-huh. And they, they got they got rid they got rid of him in Baltimore because Lamar didn't progress as a passer. I think Greg Roman would have made sense two years ago for Justin Fields. You know what I mean? As you like slow played his development as a passer, but I don't think you want to bring in a guy who you're trying to turn into Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers and say, we want the guy who's like the most creative run game caller in, in, in the NFL and, and wants his quarterback to be a big runner as well. What if it's fields? What if it's fields and that's I, I, and you're trying to do I, that kind I, of thing? I still think then you're stunt. I, 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 like I said, I would have done that with Fields two years ago. Like I, I think that you're probably stunting some of the development of Fields, the passer, mm-hmm. if you go with Greg Roman. Like Greg Roman is the guy that um, I don't know, like Desmond Ritter. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like, like I like I think that he can maximize a mobile, athletic quarterback. But I don't think he's the guy. I mean, one year in a different system with Lamar, and he's having the best passing season of his life. Yeah. After after Greg, wonder Roman. if Greg Roman is going to be with Justin Fields in Atlanta. Just a thought. Yeah, maybe, and say, hey, we'll let's we'll, try and be pretty good right away, shall and we? Be great with Bijan Robinson with, B, with Bijan and Tyler and, Algier too, and, and Fields doing a ton of RPOs. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but I. I for, for, if I'm trying to become the best passing team in Bears history eventually, yeah. I have zero interest in Greg Roman. All right, here's another one. Byron Leftwich, fired last January by Tampa Bay after Tom Brady's last season, currently on the couch. Head coaching interviews aplenty in 2021, but available. Interested in Byron Leftwich as offensive coordinator? Yes, but <laughs> I don't like – there was a – there was a huge thing there. Yeah. Huge, uh, huge uh, moment. I, well, there was a big thing. I'm like, what was he actually responsible for? Because Bruce Arians <laughs> was the offensive mind as the head coach. And there was a guy named Tom Brady. Yeah, it was who, who, had, who had a pretty big say in the game planning and the acquisitions and the scheme and what he was comfortable with and all that. You know what I mean? Like, had success as a play caller, but was he really calling the plays? Like, there was a little bit of, like, Matt Nagy, Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid to it. Like, nobody ever really figured out yep. what Leftwich was individually responsible for. And you point me to the quarterback that he developed. 
Like he was, he his best stuff was with Brady. So not, not, not interested. Okay. Um, I mean, and I'm doing this under the assumption that it's Caleb. By the way, I'm answering these under the assumption that, that that it's that it's Caleb. I think it's fair. Uh, I, I think that's fair. Okay. Um, how about Zach Robinson? He's been with Sean McVay for five years. We know about everybody off the McVay tree, from uh, the guy in Minnesota yep. to um, I, I, it just there's a million. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan. Then everybody after that has been with McVay or in that system. Um, He's the, the passing game coordinator for the Rams. And the quarterback's coach. And he has been that for several years. So pass game coordinator, quarterback's coach with Sean McVay, been there for five years. What about Zach Robinson? Did you just pluck somebody off that tree as a first-time play caller? Never called plays, obviously, under McVay. You just said it. Not interested. I, I, th- I think that you have – we just saw what happened with Luke Getze. Young guy – you're very empowered under Matt Eberflus, especially yeah. if Matt Eberflus is calling the defense. Yeah. Like, you, if you've got Caleb Williams and you can't even hire someone who's been a play caller before, mm-hmm. like, forget, like, I understand that you're limiting yourself because you're not hiring head coaches, but now you're telling me that you can't even hire someone who's called plays successfully in the NFL before? No, like there are guys who have worked with McVeigh that maybe you'll get to, maybe you won't, who have called plays that that I'm that I'm more interested. Okay, in. go, uh, all right. Go well, let's ahead. see. I'm not sure if we'll get there or not. Uh, Clint Kubiak, 49ers passing game coordinator, 35 years old. Yeah, that's a familiar last name, Gary Kubiak's son. But Kyle Shanahan's a familiar last name. Sometimes it can work. Clint Kubiak at 35 from the Shanahan tree. Same, similar, same similar thing. issue. Same thing. Like okay. I, I, I listen. I think that he might be great, hmm. and if you think he's great, that's fine. But it strikes me as a huge oh. risk. That if you're you're hiring someone who has never called plays, I don't I don't understand. Like I I think that that's shooting too low. This is a good job. Like we need to treat this job like uh-huh. it's a, it's not as good as it could be, but this is a good job. The opportunity to have DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, uh, Tevin Jenkins, Cole Komet, Caleb Williams, another top ten draft pick, pretty good defense uh, in a big town. But I'm just talking about for the offensive coordinator. I'm yes. talking about for the offensive. But 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 to your point, I guess that. A defense that should be good that should give you the ball quite a bit, right? Like, I think this is a it 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 could have been a great job if you were open for head coach. It still is a pretty good job. I don't think you need a first time to limit yourself to first time play callers. Okay, well, so so here's one that I thought might have been yours, but maybe not because I think he would be a first time play caller, and that's the Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. He's been the OC in Cincy for five years, fourteen years in the NFL. He has had head coach interviews before. Brian Callahan. Brian Callahan, uh, the play caller issue would be there for me. He has a little bit more, if I'm not mistaken, uh, diversity of background, right? Because he worked with Caldwell and Gruden mm-hmm. before. So what I like about him the diversity is, is, important, is he, I agree. he doesn't come up like he would have been on my list for head coach. You know what I mean? And now, again, you'd say, wait, wait a minute. He hasn't called plays, but. There's a he's going to get head coaching offers because of his diversity of background and his experience there. So I think he's a very exciting name, but 
not being the play caller would definitely scare me. All right, I only have two more before I would get to my guy. So if I don't get to your guy here, then we got trouble. Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator in Los Angeles with the Chargers. He's interviewing for the head coach job there. Obviously, former Boise State quarterback and former Cowboys offensive coordinator for several years of varying levels of success for Jason Garrett and for Mike McCarthy, working with Dak Prescott and others. Uh Kellen Moore is very, very, very well respected in football circles as a play caller. Um, I would want to know what happened this year with the Chargers more specifically. I, if you would have, like, we talked about it a lot on First and Pod. Uh, better, who's going to have the better offense this year? Mike McCarthy in Dallas or Kellen Moore in LA? Mm-hmm. And I was pretty damn sure it was going to be Kellen Moore in LA. And it wasn't, and it wasn't really close. So what the hell happened? How did how did Mike McCarthy get Dak Prescott to have his best year ever when Kellen Moore left and the Chargers did not take a step forward when they got Kellen Moore? I don't have a good answer to that question as an outsider, but I know his respect as a play caller is pretty damn high. So I would definitely talk to him, but that would be my concern. Why did Dallas get better when you left and there wasn't a big step forward in L.A.? Very fair question. That, that would be concerning for me. All right. The Washington head coaching job is open. I don't know if Eric Bieniemy is going to get it, but if they go a different direction, it's possible that Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator in Washington, is available. Your thoughts on Eric Bieniemy maybe making the lateral move to come here if Washington evaporates? It makes all the sense in the world. He's not my number one name, hmm. but he is very high. He's on my he's on my absolute short list. And he may maybe he is my number one name. We just got this news today. Like he he would be on my shortest of lists because I think it's pretty insane that he hasn't gotten a head coaching opportunity. Sam Howell was crazy productive this year. He's been a play caller. Uh he Obviously came up under my guy, Andy Reid. He has a relationship with Ryan Poles. And if you buy the argument that Caleb is similar to Mahomes in terms of development and stylistically, uh-huh. who knows Patrick Mahomes better that's available for you to hire than Eric Bieniemy? I I think Eric Bieniemy makes a ton of sense if he actually is going to not get a head coaching job again. Especially if Ryan Poles is having a heavier hand in the hiring process with Matt Eberflus this time around. And Ryan Poles famously said, you know where I come from regarding Kansas City. Now, it would not scare me, and I would want to hire an offensive coordinator who could be promoted to head coach. It would probably scare Matt Eberflus. But, like, Eric Bieniemy clearly wants to be a head coach. Sure. And he will leave the first time an NFL team offers him a head coaching job. So how good of a staff can he put together, given that he couldn't take everyone he wanted from Kansas City to Washington, Mm -hmm. and now he's leaving Washington to come here? But he might be able to take as many as he wants from Washington. If they're flipping it over, then he might get get to do whatever he wants. Maybe, maybe. And and then, but then, how many would he take again if he? You know, it could be four teams in four years if he goes and is a head coach in twenty twenty five. You know, if he if if he came here, so that's the thing that would concern me a little bit Mm -hmm. about him. So you want my name? Um, or do you want to give me yours? Well, give, wh- why don't I give me give you mine okay. at this point? All right. Give me, yeah. I know it's it, – to me, it's Frank Reich. Now, I know Frank Reich had a disaster in That's Carolina. That's who you would, you would hire or who you expect them that, to hire? Th- both, frankly. Oh, okay. They, these dovetail together. But for me, it is who I would hire. 
Because in this situation where Matt Eberflus is retained, he needs somebody who he doesn't have to check on at all. He can just let this person do their thing with the offense. And granted, he could do that with Biennemi. He could obviously do that with Roman. He could do it, I think, with Leftwich and, and with a, you know, a couple others. But Frank Reich, the disaster in Carolina, I don't put that on him, especially with this idea that he wanted Stroud over Bryce Young. We know that has been debated. But they have a disaster of a situation where they just fired the GM. David Tepper's a crazy person. That whole situation is sloppy. They traded away DJ Moore, traded away McCaffrey, et cetera. This is a guy who was an offensive coordinator in Philly with Wentz and Foles and won a Super Bowl. Then as a head coach in Indy, he went to the playoffs with Andrew Luck after starting one and five, had a pretty damn good year with Jacoby Brissett, playoffs with Phillip Rivers, and then near playoffs with Carson Wentz. He almost went playoffs. He had four good offensive years with four different quarterbacks four years in a row as the head coach in Indy. That impressed the hell out of me. And fired there it in should. 20. It, right? I mean, that, that was very impressive. And by, by the way, way we, uh, real quick on this, we are going to talk to Boomer Esiason yeah. tomorrow at 3 on what he would do with the situation. And remember, best friends and college roommates with Frank Reich. So we'll be able to get some insight into his relationship with Eberflus, what happened in Carolina, if Caleb would be attractive to him, all that stuff. And that's, so that's the other thing. This is a franchise where quarterbacks go to die. <laughs> thank you, Boomer. Thank you, Boomer. He's so right. But Eberflus was the defensive coordinator under head coach Frank Reich in Indy. And, and they have a relationship, and I think Iberflus could rest easy and let the room be run by Frank Reich and not have to worry about it at all. He can run the defense, be the head coach, but let the offense be in good hands with a guy who has led multiple different styles of quarterbacks in multiple places. So here is my issue with it. Okay. And I think that this breaks along some of our personality or normal disagreements, like, Matt Eberflus being comfortable with it, that is so low on my priority list. Now, it clearly might be higher on theirs, but, like, professional discomfort's okay, you know? And I, I wasn't talking about comfort as much as I'm talking about responsibility. Like, well, but what I'm saying, like, Eric Bieniemy has run an offense. We just saw him do it this sure. year. He had a defensive head coach. He was totally empowered to run. They, they gave him the bump in title. Right from I think he I think his title was assistant head coach in in Washington this past year. So my point is there are a lot of guys that you could hire that absolutely have the, have the capability to run the entirety of the offense without much involvement from the head coach uh-huh. that don't have that wouldn't make Matt Eberflus sleep easy at night because you know he's not coming for his job or he's not doesn't have the desire of being a head coach anymore. And yeah, I think I think Frank Reich makes a ton of sense for what they will do, it feels a little too much like, oh, Matt, what would you like? Matt, what would make Matt Eberflus as comfortable as possible? I understand, but couldn't you argue that Frank Reich is more qualified than Eric Bieniemy? I yep. certainly could. Yeah, of course. Because the number of years, number of different quarterbacks he's worked with, num- yes. the amount of success that he's had. I mean, it, So we, it's not just about comfort at it, that point. No, it's not just about it, but I mean, but, I mean there are other... All right, I'll give you my name. Give me, give me your name, because because we'll have time to debate this stuff. But I'm on record with with Frank Reck. I think makes all the sense in the world. And for the rec, just to get on record with you, I think he's the favorite. So I, I in terms of this is again what they will do, what I would do, mm-hmm. right? Is there's we have to always be making those qualifiers out there. And it, this all just happened today. I've been thinking about it. There's a ton of names you could go with. Shane Waldron. 
he was on my list for head coach last year, like at the beginning when we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. They just fired Pete Carroll, and they announced that anyone on the staff could go seek other employment opportunities elsewhere. This is a guy who has been a play caller, who got a ton out of Geno Smith. Yes, he did. When nobody thought that Geno Smith was much of anything. Won some games with Drew Locke this year. Won games with Drew Locke. Who did he coach under? Bill Belichick, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll. And he's been a play caller. So he's worked under the best head coach ever, Bill Belichick. Been the top offensive voice on a staff under an arguable Hall of Famer in Pete Carroll, where he was the play caller. And he is on the Sean McVay tree, which dominates modern offense in the NFL. Like, that, to me, checks a ton of boxes where the only thing he doesn't have is head coaching experience. But you're hiring for offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. And he's not the shiniest name out there because Harbaugh's out there, because Belichick might be out there, because Vrabel's now out there, because Ben Johnson is younger and is now going to be out there. Like, I'll give you one more advantage. If everybody on Seattle is available, then he could bring a quarterback coach with him, a couple other assistants. Yeah, so, so to me, Shane Waldron's diversity of background and play calling experience and he might be a head coach. Like, he is young enough and thought highly enough about and gets interviews and that sort of like, whereas, like, Frank Reich obviously has been a head coach, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's really much of a shot at Matt Eberflus leaves and Frank Reich becomes the head coach because because Frank Reich is older and is loyal to Eberflus and all of that. So, like, they would be pretty joined at the hip. I think there's a chance that a guy like Shane Waldron would come in, bond with Caleb Williams, have a great offensive season or two. Ultimately, you decide, hey, Eberflus isn't the guy, but we've got the guy in-house to promote to the big chair, and there's continuity for our quarterback. So that's appealing to me. Uh, and a guy who's a little bit younger. I get it. Who could grow into the head coaching role and give you continuity with your quarterback. So Shane Waldron... He became available like three hours ago. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. they when, when they fired Pete Carroll and because it, because you weren't going to be able to get Shane Waldron to be your offensive coordinator uh, when Pete Carroll was still there because you can't it, take a lateral job. You're right. It does speak along some of our differences because what you're talking about is a guy who might be closest to the dream of finding the offensive mind that bonds with the quarterback and could stay here a long time yes. in spite of the Eberflus you don't want to be retained. Correct. Correct. <laughs> exactly. I'm not giving up on the dream just because they are. <laughs> I don't have to play by their rules. I this understand. is a part of the show, baby. Uh-huh. But by our rules here. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, We don't pay for press conferences. But honestly, Belichick, McVay. It's good. Carroll mm-hmm. and a play caller and a guy who maximizes Geno Smith. Imagine what he could do with Caleb Williams. We'll ask Pat Manley what he thinks about the idea that Getzi is gone. Eberflus is back. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Two. And the week before against Atlanta, they ran a bunch and he was successful. And of those two passes last week, I think they went for 14 and 17 yards, something like that. So that was broken, obviously. So I have no problem if it is Justin Fields and you decide to move on to a new offensive coordinator. 
it can't be any worse. It can only be better, in my opinion. I just think that if they decide to do that, they're going to find a coach that is going to look at Justin differently, and they have now the evaluation of how Luke Getze used him and said, that doesn't work. How can you use him? And I just I, I think this is a smart move no matter which direction you go with quarterback. So, you know, we're going to play what uh, Tanny is listening to it and what he deems is uh, important. But some of the little headlines here, Polls says they'd have to be blown away to move on from yeah. Justin, but they're going to do it. It's a unique situation. Eberflus were playing the long game here. You know, they said they're confident with uh, getting something done with Jalen. They called Braxton Jones a foundational piece. They said they did not call Jim Harbaugh as some of the headlines. And we'll get to all of it uh, in depth. But, Pat, do you think this move, keeping Eberflus, getting rid of the offensive staff. Does that tip the scale one way or the other for you? Like, do you, Fields or Caleb, like, do, do you, does, it, does it indicate or tip their hand in any way to you? I don't think so. And I listened to some of the, the, the um, press conference where I came on here, and Poles really sounds like he is wide open. He just has to be, you know, completely impressed with whoever young quarterback they, they're looking at or is coming out of college to pick him over Justin Fields. He really sounds like to me he's going to do his homework and he's going to do what's best for the, the organization. And I liked what I heard that way. I didn't feel he was leaning one way or the other. I think he gave a lot of GM speak of like, I've got to do my job and all that kind of stuff. But no, I, I think I think he's in the right mind. And he also gave an honest answer about how much his head's been swimming all year about the different possibilities of doing different things with the draft choice, Justin Fields and all that. So you know, I, my, my thing is, my fingers are crossed and what I tell a lot of people, I just hope he makes the right decision. You know, I hope we don't see that there's another C.J. Stroud for another team next year that we missed on if they decide to sit with Justin Fields. Maybe Justin Fields turns into to a better quarterback and a franchise quarterback that's worth $200 million if he gets the right offensive coordinator. But whatever it is, I trust Ryan Poles to do everything he can to make the right decision, but then I hope he just makes the right decision. This moment though I gotta say is the first moment that I'm really questioning Ryan Poles a lot about this situation if he truly didn't even call Jim Harbaugh if he truly didn't talk to anybody and he could be lying about that I really hope he's lying about that he might not be he might not have been allowed to I, well he might have called Don Yee okay. his agents I hope he called Don Yee hope okay, he, okay, he called the agent go about it. Yeah. because like if you're not even bothering to find out whether that guy would sacrifice the money, would be happy to work with polls, would sublimate his ego if he didn't like Kevin Warren. Like, it's on the table that Jim Harbaugh is a guy who wants to be Coach Ditka the way that he just wanted to be yeah. Coach Schembechler. Yeah. And you got to find that out if that's the case. If he didn't even make that call to Don Yee or anybody else, that would piss me off, Pat. What about you? Right, but what about the possibility that George or Kevin said no? Don't even don't even think about it. We're not going that direction. We're going without the Jim Harbaugh thought. I mean, that, that could be it as well. But you would you would maybe fire back and be like, no, come on, let me do my job. Me as a footballer, I, I would love to talk to Jim Harbaugh. Just pick his brain, see what his thoughts are. Maybe he gives you feedback on what he sees from the Bears from the outside, being an alumni. I'm sure he pays attention a little bit. I know he's busy as heck, you know, working in Michigan and coaching at Michigan. But that's a guy I would talk to just because he's won wherever he's been. And if it is that they would not allow him to call him because they just said, no, he's not on the table because maybe he would make them uncomfortable. I think that's a bunch of bull and I don't like that. I think you do exhaust. Uh, I, I think they should have called him. I would have liked to heard that they said, yes, we've put some calls out in feelers, but maybe you can't do that because you did decide to keep Matt Eberflus and you just don't want to hurt his feelings. I, I don't know how it works, but 
Um, I just wish they would because he would be fun for us to follow, right? And I also think he'd give the Bears a great chance to win. Right. So, Pat, you played for 16 years. You've had good relationships up there for a long, mm-hmm. long time. Um, d- d- is the family kind of allowing, to the best of your knowledge, Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles to do what they think is best a little bit more than they did in previous years? That I don't know. I don't know at all. Um, I wish I did. Now I've been a, uh, apart from that building a little too long, and I, I just – I don't feel right asking some of those questions of the people that are in there. Um, so I don't know, and I can't give you the feeling because I have been too, uh, gone too long, Speaks. Okay. Because because it, it, cause it it's on the table, as you suggested, that the family mm-hmm. would say, oh, no, 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 Jim's not our guy. We don't have a good relationship. I mean, just as they did but, with Olden Kruitz at $15 an hour. Yeah, you know? yeah well, you could. I mean, I mean, that's just something. Yes, that's a good point there as well. I mean, that's, you know, they have the right to say that. They are the ownership. Uh, you wish, and hopefully they're not doing that, but I'm just saying that's a possibility, and I don't know anything about it, but, you know, that's their right to do as, as ownership. All right, so, Pat, the question now is, who's the offensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the biggest question is, are they keeping Justin or drafting a quarterback? But, you know, for, for the coaching side of it, uh, what frustrates me about this move is I feel like if you have a good roster and the number yeah. one pick and you have your head coach job open – you could really say we're the, you could make the argument that you've got the best job opening in the NFL. Maybe the Chargers yes. would dispute it, but now you can't get the best offensive mind or two that are available this cycle because they will get head coaching jobs. So you're in by definition you're limiting yourself. Right. With those limitations, do you have a name? Like who who would you say this guy's not going to be a head coach, but he could be an offensive coordinator and I would trust him to develop Caleb Williams under Matt Eberflus. Do you have a name? I, I, I do not have a name, but here's the thing, uh, Danny, that about the attractiveness of this job and what you mentioned, another thing that needs to be talked about is you have a defensive-minded head coach. So you sell to this offensive coordinator. You come in. You get to run your system. You're in charge of everything on that side of the building, and that's attractive to me. And then obviously you're talking about a potential first-round pick and or Justin Fields, whatever this person thinks of of Justin, maybe they think highly of him and understand that, man, I would love to work with this young man because I can develop it. Maybe he studied him a lot in college and understands his skill set as well, coming from there all the way through the NFL. So I don't have a name, but I do think this is a very, very attractive position to be in. I've talked to some other OCs that have been into this situation where the defensive coordinator is the head coach and they got to run everything and they loved it. So they were in charge, and they got to do whatever they wanted. So hmm. we just saw that here, right? Because that, that was what mm-hmm. Luke Getze had. Yep. But he was also a first-time play caller. Right. Um, right. So he wasn't you, good enough. He wasn't right, good enough. Wasn't good enough. So like, the name that I gave was Shane Waldron, offense, okay. offensive coordinator in Seattle with a defensive head coach. So he had had yep. that exact same dynamic before, but was a play caller. Now is available because Pete Carroll is gone maximized Geno Smith uh, when mm-hmm. no one was expecting him to, but also worked under Sean McVay, the it system of yep. the NFL, and worked under Bill Belichick. Speegs gave Frank Reich. I like Frank Reich because of the success he had with multiple different quarterbacks as the head coach and offensive mind in Indianapolis with Brissett and Luck and Rivers and Wentz there, and obviously he won a Super Bowl with Wentz and Foles as the offensive coordinator in Philly. And, and one thing that I was saying when we were going through some names in the last segment was the job, even with Eberflus attached to it, mm-hmm. is good enough that I don't think you need to take a risk on a first-time play caller again. 
you know, like I, the, like I, they yeah. did with Getzey. Like I, I think that there's there's names that are out there, like an Eric Bieniemy, like a Frank Reich, yep. like a Shane Waldron. Yep. Like I, I, I think that those are the types of names we should be talking about here, not. Um, Brian Callahan or Clint yeah. Kubiak, no, yeah, yeah, young yeah, yeah, up-and-coming yeah, yeah. offensive coaches who might be great head coaches one day, but they've never been play callers before. No, I 100% agree with that. When we okay. do the pregame with Olin and uh, and Mully, we always talk about, you know, we compare the rosters, but we also compare coaching rosters. I thought Eberflus's roster wasn't talented enough. Uh, well, maybe not to say talent. Well, obviously not because he got fired, but you need some of that veteran presence on that roster right the coaching roster like a Frank Reich would be great because he's been there before he could take some off of of uh, Eberflus's plate uh, just for weekly management game management things like that uh, situational things uh, not only situational during the game hmm. but during the week um, I think that's one thing and what you're talking about is bringing in a, a guy that's already called the plays he's got experience you know I think that's one thing that the the, the Bears coaching staff lacked on that side of the ball and I, I, I totally believe that needs to be done. I would not like a first-time play caller. I would like somebody who's been around a quarterback or quarterbacks with different skill sets. You know, that would be easier because then if you bring in a Drake May, Caleb Williams, then maybe he knows how to work with him. And then he also knows how to work with a Justin Fields type. So mm. I, I think the experience is really big, and that would be uh, high on my list if I was Matt Eberflus. Pat, are, are, is the chemistry good enough? Are the vibes good enough? The direction good enough where this yeah. move makes sense? To keep I, Matt Eberflus. I think that's why he did it. I really think that was part of his evaluation, that the team, you know, follows him, that they, they've got something going on. And, again, we talked about last week during the pregame show about the, the cigar thing. That could go either way. And we, I said I hated it as an old-school guy. Yeah. I thought that was dumb to do during week 16 or yeah, week 17 of the of the season. But then also it's it seemed great because the team came together. They were enjoying each other. Everybody was doing it. And there are little things that happen in the locker room that maybe a coach doesn't agree with. And I've talked about it many times before that we played uh, dodgeball in our locker room. Lovey came in, yelled at us on a Saturday after a walkthrough. What the heck are you doing? We can never do this again. I think we went out and we won like 44-10. I think it might have been before we went down to play. I don't know who. We, we, we won big. But what was upsetting to me is they went out and laid the egg against the Packers after doing that. So it looks bad. But there are things like that that bring a team together. And when I saw that, I read it two ways, but I also saw it as like this team – believes in each other, they like each other, and that falls on the head coach who is letting that happen, who makes that happen. So I do feel that way, and I think that's the biggest reason why he is back and why Ryan Poles feels this way about Eberflus, you know, leading leading this team in his direction. You got to keep sharing that perspective because whether whether we like it or not, that stuff matters to a oh, football yes. team, to a GM, depending mm -hmm. on especially a former player GM yeah. like like Ryan Poles. We had spirited debate in transition, and I know it can anger people to hear that stuff matter, but it's team sports. It is. It is. And then like we talked about, oh, yes, let me just keep going, going on with that. Please. It's super important because Jerry Angelo talked about it like that. He was very, that was very important to him. Lovey allowed us to do that. Yes, we only went to one Super Bowl, one NFC championship, but we had a great locker room. I think everybody knew that in Chicago. We got along. We played hard. I just think that is very, very important. And then on the Justin Field side of the locker room, everybody pulling for him. Ryan Pohl said it today as well. That is very important. That's not going to make his decision sway it largely one way or the other, but that's a that's something that weighs on a team. You know that 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 they like the quarterback that much, and I've played in locker rooms with some of the quarterbacks that 
we're 50-50, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it does make a difference. And every, if everybody's behind you and you have that harmonized locker room, whatever you want to call it, it makes a difference. Good stuff, Pat. Thank you for being flexible on a news day. We appreciate you, buddy. No problem. All right, man. We'll see what happens in the next week or so. All right, man. We'll right, be Pat. in touch. Right. See you guys. Thank you. That's Pat Manley. We are monitoring what's going on. We'll give you the key f- factors. Mark Grody with the Bears report at 5 o'clock. We'll open up some phone lines now as well. What you want? Are you mad? How you feeling? Matt Eberflus is here. The offensive staff is gone. Does it tip their hand on the quarterback situation? It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. The woo people are out. Thanks for playing some mood thing. That made me feel good. Chilling with my man Rusty Ghost is a beast. Afternoons on the score. I should mention that we have Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks tickets to give away. They're going to be at Soldier Field June 21st. All you got to do is be the sixth caller at 312-540-0670. Not right now, but when you hear this. I love this song. Really? Yes. Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Stevie. Yes. Sing songs, I'm dropping, singing. <laughs> When you hear that later in the show, be the sixth caller on the contest line, and you can go see them perform June 21st, brought to you by Live Nation. One of the great joys of living in the South Loop is sitting on the balcony and hearing the music from a Soldier Field concert wafting over the uh, the highway and bouncing off the buildings. I just get little snips of it every once in a while. Yeah, right, yeah, because, I mean, if you had every concert, I mean, that'd be yeah. that'd be quite a, quite a steal. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, but I don't get every concert. Just That's right. bounce every once in a That's while. That's okay. That's okay. Quite a day there, Danny Parkins. It is. I mean, just from, you know, reading the tea leaves, and we'll listen to all the context, it sounds like Poles is doing a good job of keeping all of his options open. Said he's even going to think about keeping – the number one pick and Justin Fields says he's even going to keep that as an open mind. Sounds like he's been a talk show host thinking about all the different uh, scenarios that have been at play. You want to, uh, you want to squeeze in a call here? Yeah. By the way, polls kept talking about his position. No, we don't have time. We'll do it on the other side. All right. My bad. He, he kept talking about his position. Oh, he position? Kept, kept referring to his own position. Oh, said something about three o'clock every day on the score after the Super Bowl. That was nice of him. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. What a really nice plug. Yeah, man. You know why? It's fun because they're picking not just one, but also a little later in the top ten. Yeah. Picking ninth. Right. We get to do the number one pick. Yeah. We get to do trade down nine, scenarios. Nine, 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 nine. There it is. We get to do receivers. <laughs> we get to do everything. Edge rushers. Yeah. They called Braxton Jones a foundational piece. Wonder if that means we should take left tackle off the board because there's a couple left tackles that are supposed to go in the top ten. I think I think that's a, I think that might be a hand tip from today. I think I think you're right, and I think the idea of having one and nine and not needing a left tackle or a corner is pretty cool. Like yes, because he said Jalen's not going anywhere was the quote. I don't think they need to draft a corner. I don't think they even need to take one. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Right? I don't either. You've got Tyreek and you've got Terrell Smith, who you like, and you even got Jalen Jones. I think for one more year. And then Jalen and then Kyler. Obviously, Jalen Johnson and Kyler. Not needing a corner at all is a pretty neat place to be. Ton of people want to weigh in on the news of the day. You'll get a chance to do it. Grody from Hallis Hall at five. Audio as soon as we're allowed. Parkinson Spiegel on the score.